0: Well, this morning, church, we are concluding our series on, called Survivor Guide. Um, we took a couple weeks off there as I was away, and Pastor Todd brought the word last week. What a great word. Thank you so much. Um, what a great word he brought last week. I left my Bible down here. Um, so t- today we're closing it out um, as we get ready to step into our Advent series. I don't know if I should get a promo, give a promo for my Ad- Advent series. I'm really excited about this series that we're going to be kicking off because Advent series... We're going to be going up, of course, to the birth of Jesus, Christmas. I know, you're shocked. But then, following the, tw- the, the 24th, on Christmas Eve, when we have our service, we're just going to continue Jesus' story, and we're going to chronologically follow the life of Christ... Um, over the next several months, and that's going to lead us right up until Easter, and to, to his sacrifice on the cross. And so we're going to walk through his life, through the parables, through, uh, um, through, through the Sermon on the Mount, through the miracles, and we're going to end at, uh, at, at his, his sacrifice for us on on Easter. So it's all going to culminate in that moment, but then, as we know, that Easter was not just the end, but then Jesus, resurrected Jesus, sends us the Holy Spirit. and So just a couple weeks later, we're going to go into a, a Holy Spirit-focused series in our in our services together. It's going to be an awesome time. So I'm looking forward to that as we get rolling into that. So this is our last week in this Survivor series. And today I would guess I'd be calling what I'd call the autumn season of the soul. Um, I do hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, and I was looking at that video that was playing and it had like the springtime shot. And I was like, that feels so far away. That feels like an eternity away to actually see that coming around, um, but uh, uh, when, when you think about fall, of course, we think about especially, we are in the heart of that season where you look outside and the ground is covered with dead and dying leaves, and uh, the trees are starting to get bare, and it's raining a lot, um, and Thanksgiving. You think about um, you know just the Thanksgiving meal, and when I was a kid, I used to think Thanksgiving was kind of a universal thing that was celebrated by everyone in the world, like, like uh I don't know, like Christmas or the 4th of July. Everybody celebrates that. But uh, it turns out that uh, uh, that's an American thing, right? And ev- other places have their own Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, Canada has its own Thanksgiving. It celebrates in like, I think it's in, uh, I, I wrote it down here, October, October, early October, right? Before before the Canadians all get frosted into their homes, they celebrate it so that they can get together. And instead of a turkey, they like gather around a big Tim Hortons donut and... Uh, and, and instead of like gravy, they just have maple syrup on everything. And that's, that's how Canadians do Thanksgiving, and that's fine, that's for them. But, uh, uh, we all, we, we, we have different Thanksgivings we see around the world, but seriously, uh, the practice of feasting and giving thanks definitely didn't originate with the pilgrims and their buckle hats. It didn't originate with the Canadians even, and it far predates, uh, our country even. It goes way back. As a matter of fact, This feasting and giving thanks was a command that God gave the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert. While the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, he gave them a specific holiday that that they were to, to celebrate. And It didn't feature turkey or anything like that, but it was focused on Thanksgiving, especially around this harvest time, this harvest time of the soul that we're talking about. And the Hebrew word for this time was called sukkah or soak and translated, it's translated as the festival of tabernacles or the festival of booths. And I enjoyed studying this because I didn't really know much about it. Many experts on the festival of tabernacles or booths in here? Good. So a lot of us are going to be learning a lot here, okay? So depending on where the Hebrew calendar works out, because it's a lunar and solar-based calendar on how it flows and things like that, this festival of booths or festival of of tabernacles falls sometime between late September all the way through October, and it's a week-long celebration, A week-long feast, that is a lot of pumpkin pie. That is a lot of feasting. And I like that God ordains feasting. I think it's great to come together and just enjoy eating together, sharing together, laughing, celebrating what He's done. So God sets this up and he, He ordains it in the book of Leviticus when He's giving the law to Moses. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me, or through the Bible app, even better yet, to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, starting in verse 39. It says this, Remember that this seven-day festival to the Lord, the festival of shelters, so shelters, tabernacles, and, and uh, booths, all interchangeable. This is what this phrase is. So the festival of shelters begins on the 15th day of the appointed month, after you have harvested all the produce of the land. The first day and the eighth day of the festival will be days of complete rest. On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees. I love that, magnificent trees. Don't get them from some lame, ugly trees. Get magnificent trees. Palm fronds, boughs from leafy trees and willows that grow by the streams. Then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. You must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed in the the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days you must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses delivers this rule to the Israelites, and I'm just going to be honest with you. The Israelites aren't real good at following rules. They obeyed this right up until Joshua. Then they never did this again until they returned from Babylon. You you read um, what Nehemiah writes, and he's like, we discovered the law, and we haven't done this since the days of Joshua of Nun. They, they hadn't recognized this holiday in a long, long time. But here's why it was called the Festival of Booths, or the Festival of Tabernacles, or Shelters, is because... They were meant, they were called to set up these temporary structures. Now, when we hear the word tabernacle, what I immediately think of immediately is the the temporary temple that they set up for the Lord, right? When they went through the desert. But tabernacle literally means just tent of meeting. And it's a temporary structure that they would put up. And so, God says, when you, once a year, come together, there's three... Times where the Israelites were supposed to come to Jerusalem, have this sojourn to Jerusalem, and during this one, they're supposed to set up these temporary structures, these tabernacles, and and they're to construct them and live in them for a seven day period each year, and they still do actually today. If you were to go to Israel during the Festival of Booths, you'd see these lined up down the street. Um, even if you can go to the next slide for me, there, you'll see you would see these lined up down the streets, and even in apartment complexes, you would see it going up and up and up on. Um, on the different uh, terraces, and you would see these little booths that were constructed all along at this time of year. And uh, 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 to be honest, at some level, I'm kind of, you can go to the next one, I'm kind of jealous of the Jewish culture and tradition because you basically get to build a fort every year. (laughs) That sounds way cool. And, And then you get to live in it for a week, and then you get to go and visit other people's forts. And see what they did with it. You're like, this is so cool. Um, so so for seven days, it says in verse 42, you're to live in these little shelters. And there's imagery and literary themes that God is using in these shelters to remind his people of some vital principles. He wants them to be regularly uh, refreshed and renewed and reminded about. So um, these booths and tabernacles were built as a temporary place, not forever, but as a temporary place to remind the people that they were nomads. To remind them that they were not yet home when they were living in these. This wasn't home. This was a temporary structure. And so God is reminding us through this, this season. He's acknowledging that this life, this time this, that we have on earth is fleeting. This world is not our home. This place that we live is not our home. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, For we know that if our earthly house of this... I'll say it, church... This tabernacle, temporary tent of meeting, were dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon. That mortality, I love this, mortality might be swallowed up of life. So we are living as sojourners in this world. We were not meant to stay in these temporary tabernacles. You know what? Staying out in a tent is fun. Tent camping for a while is fun. But when it's your reality, you groan for something more. When it's your world, you groan for something beyond that. But we are sojourners. This tent one day, the Bible says, it's going to be folded up. This body, this flesh, it's going to break down and be folded up. And for many people in our world, this is a great hope. Especially for those in the persecuted church around the world. They say, I yearn, I long for the day that one day I will have that eternal hope, that that the pain that I'm going through, the trouble that I'm experiencing, the sorrow that is within my soul will not last forever. One day, heaven will be my eternal home. But yet, for others, and dare I say, especially in our world here, we don't groan for eternity so much because we've already made this earth our heaven. We've spent so much time in this temporary tabernacle trying to fix it up. Trying to make it just perfect. Trying to make it all that we would want to make this. We put all our effort and energy into this temporary shelter. Can you imagine with me if one of the Israelites moves into their seven-day shelter and they invest all of their time and money and finances. They go out and buy Persian rugs and fancy things to try to fit into this little tabernacle that was not meant to be eternal. It was not meant to be their home, but they were going, I'm going to throw everything I have into this, this temporary shack. And this is what God's trying to get across. You were sojourners. You were temporarily there. I had not yet brought you home. It was part of the journey, and it was to remind them that this is a temporary state. We were passing through. We are passing through this life. You see, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to have this toy, right? I want to have a vacation home. I want to have this car. I want to have this body. I want to have, you know, whatever it might be. But when it becomes the treasure that we cling to, we've lost it. We've missed it. And that temporary shelter, that temporary tabernacle, then becomes our eternal home that we're investing in. And it'll be tested by fire, the Bible says. That these things will be tested by fire. In Matthew 6, Jesus warns, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal But store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where are we putting our treasure? Where are we investing our treasure? I think about the things that he lists here, storing up where moths eat them. We don't really have too much of a moth problem here that I know of. I've never like opened my closet and been like, oh, where's my coat? Stupid moths, you know. We don't really have that. And and uh, we, we don't have as much rust. I know we live in a pretty damp climate, but I do know that if you buy a car that came from somewhere like Minnesota or something like that, you better watch out because uh, what they put on the roads in the winter wreaks havoc. I, my, my dad, one of his first vehicles, no, not one of it, one of the vehicles that was given to him when we lived on the Oregon coast was just donated by someone in the church. It was an old utility truck, but bless that little truck's heart, You could literally pass your hand right through the side of it into the bed of the truck. And it would, when it would rain, which it happens at the coast sometimes, it would rain and it would fill the cab of the truck with so much water, it was about this deep. So my dad took a drill and we drilled holes in the cab so that the water would just drain out. And uh, that truck had experienced rust. Let me tell you, the beautiful car you're driving right now, someday I have been to the yards where it will end up. What well, we put so much value into, we send payments off to. We do all these things. They will break down. They will wear away. They will be destroyed. The thing, the smart TV that you've always needed, that's 8K and you know, and it, it does all these things. One day it will be in Goodwill, and I will buy it for 14.99 with a coupon. the things we put so much value in we we put so much uh, we we say this is what i need this will complete me he's saying this is the temporary shelter this body that we we put so much care and worry into let me tell you care for your bodies it's the temple of the holy spirit but we will not last forever we were, we, we, when, when sin entered this world, this temporary shelter was doomed to one day die. But Christ came so that we could have life eternally. And that's where we put our treasure. That's where we put our hope. That this, this life, one day, will continue on forever in eternity with Jesus. And so Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, goes on to give a little more detail about what this festival of booths, tabernacles, whatever you want to call it, is going to look like. So, shelters in verse 13 of Deuteronomy 16... It says, you must observe observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and your daughters and your male and female servants and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. And for seven days you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses. For it is He who blesses you with bountiful harvests and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. Amen. Now I will tell you that there are scholars, many of which, as I studied this, that believe this is a strong indication of the time of year Jesus would have actually been born. The 25th is a great time of year to celebrate it, but it's more likely that he was born this time of year, especially focusing on the verbiage that's used of this time of great joy that's echoed by the angels when they announce the arrival of Jesus. This is a time of great joy that will be for all people and uh, and there's other reasons with weather and different things that we can see evidences of the time that Jesus was born. But but the bottom line that this is driving at, is says that this bountiful harvest, that God gives it to us, the success in our work. It's a gift of God. This festival is a time of great joy. You see, in this season of life, we affirm the faithfulness of God. We affirm God's faithfulness. He says, this will be a happy time. You're going to be You're going to be celebrating. It is He who blesses you with bountiful harvests and gives you success in all your work. Gavin uh, went to youth convention this last fall and he came back and I asked him, what's something you walked away with? What did you learn? And he said, well, one of the speakers said this and he said, this is what sticks with me most. He said, I want you to know that you're not lucky. You're blessed. He said, Dad, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. And that's the bottom line. The place that you live The opportunities that you've been given, the job that you hold, the relationships that you enjoy, you aren't just lucky. You didn't just happen to get the right roll of the dice. You are divinely blessed by the Creator. That God has poured His blessing on you. You're not just lucky, you're blessed. God is reminding the Israelites, you aren't enjoying these bountiful harvests. You aren't enjoying this success just because you're the most put-together people. Just because you have it all together. You aren't the most gifted farmers in the world to ever touch the soil. You aren't the most shrewd businessman to ever put together a proposal. You're not the most brainy accountants to ever uh, manage a portfolio. It is me who makes the rain fall. It is me who causes the sun to rise. It is me who opens doors and closes them. It's not you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not your own strength. You are not a self-made man. You are not a self-made woman. It is not by might. It is not by power. But by my. Spirit, says the Lord. And where we stand today, where you stand today, is by the very grace of God. The very grace of God. So in their condition of living in this shelter, they were to celebrate and give thanks for the provision of God. The people could easily point to the shelter they're living in, like we just looked at, and said, how bad is this? Look at this tiny little shelter. I'm living in a shack. Everyone else in the world that's not Jewish doesn't have to do this. They're they're living in air conditioning. They're living with heating. They're living with, you know, their TVs and all this. But how easily people could point to the shelter and say how bad they have it. But rather they said, look where we're living and see that it in itself is a demonstration of God's rescue and his faithfulness. You see, the shelter itself became that demonstration of God's rescue and his faithfulness. I think for a lot of us, we could point to things that we don't have or we wish we had and say, God, why do I have this and they have that? But maybe in the very things that we have, though they may seem limited, it's an evidence of God's faithfulness. It's an evidence of God's faithfulness. The, the deaf and blind poet of the early 20th century, Helen Keller, said this. She said, so much has been given to me, I have no time to ponder that which has been denied. So much has been given to me. I don't I don't even have time to think about what I don't have. So the shelter reminds the people, not, look, you have to live in this little cramped building, but remember what God did. He took you out of Egypt. Remember what God did. He led you through the desert. Remember you were never thirsty. Remember you never died of starvation because the food was on the ground. Remember how God provided. So it's not about the lack that, that the, the, the shack represents, but it represents the very hand of provision that is in your life. The shelter reminds us of all God has provided. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul exhorts the believers. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You see, joy is not informed by our circumstance. I can definitely feel happy because of a circumstance. You walk up to me and give me a big check, I will feel very happy. But joy is not informed by the circumstance. Rather, it is informed by our prayer and our thanksgiving in all circumstances. The word never stop, this word that's used there, is a Greek uh, word that's actually, it's a verb that's, uh, used, <laughs> that's used by their cult at the time, was used um, in reference to a lingering, persistent cough. Have you ever had one of those, a dry, hacking cough? No, no, we've, we haven't had COVID or anything, but... A dry, hacking cough that's just always there. That's the kind of let it always be there he's talking about when he says, let your thankfulness, let your let your prayer be something that's always present in the back of your mind. Even if you're not thinking about it, it's just ever present that you are giving thanks to God. And that will inform our joy. That will inform, no matter what the circumstance, joy can thrive in tribulation because we understand what God's purpose is through it. Joy despite the circumstance when we understand God's purpose. I, just this last week, I have a friend that I went to college with, and she uh, had a terrifying medical event. She woke up one morning, this, just a couple weeks ago, with a pounding migraine, just debilitating and she thought, I need to go to the doctor. And she thought, I can't even drive myself. So she asked her husband, will you drive me? I've never done that before, but please drive me to the doctor. And so he was getting ready to take her to the doctor. And she said the pain became so intense, all she could do was mutter the Lord's prayer to herself. And she said, that's the last thing I remember because I started to have a seizure. And he's, he, she became catatonic. She wouldn't respond to him when he tried to get her attention. So he rushed her to the hospital. At the hospital, they put her on an IV drip of anti-seizure medication. And they did different scans, CT scans, and the doctor informed her husband, I can't imagine having to have this conversation, he said, we found a mass on the right back side of your wife's brain. And so, they intubated her, and they moved her to another hospital where they were able to do more neurological uh, surgery, and after moving her to this hospital, they they surgically removed the mass completely. And they did more scans and they said, we completely got it. And she's giving thanks to the Lord for that in this situation. What a terrifying, painful, scary experience for this young mother. But she posted this this week on her Facebook account about the event. This was the last thing she posted. She said, if you know the Lord, I want you to know that He does not allow suffering for nothing. It may be a mystery to us, but there is something happening in that suffering. Just lean on Him. Trust him and say, okay, God. You see, when we recognize that God has purpose even through our suffering, that God has purpose even when there's difficulty, when there's pain in the offering, there's a profound joy that comes in our thanksgiving that we can't describe, we can't explain. God works through the suffering. You see, finally is this, we assert in this season, that God is our shelter. The word that's used for the roof of one of these booths that God told them to construct, He told them to go get, you know, these fantastic trees or whatever He called them, you know, the, um, the these beautiful trees. And He tells them to build these roofs. And the word for the roof that's used here comes from the Hebrew verb meaning to protect or to cover. To protect or cover. And I think it's very intentional that Psalm 27 says this. It says, for He will hide me, In his shelter. And it's important that we look at the word shelter there. Because do you know the word that is used for shelter there? Is sukkah. The very same shelter that the people were to construct. He's not just talking about a fortress. He's not just talking about a building. He's talking about these structures that the Israelites were to build. And so when they sang the song from the Psalms, they would immediately think of these shelters that were built. So as they construct these shelters, they're remembering, God is my shelter. He's on either side of me. He's my covering. He surrounds me. The namesake of this festival is that God is our refuge no matter what we face. He's our strong tower. There is no situation, whether it be physical or spiritual, that is outside of our God's control. There is nothing that is outside of His hand. The safest place to be is in the center of God's hand. It's not a portfolio that we can show. It's not uh, a relationship that we have evidence for. It can't be anything else than saying, I am in the center of God's hand. That is the safest place to be. And He is our shelter and He is our covering. Psalm 91 says this For those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers, He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. So do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. So many in our world live in fear of the disaster. Whether it be a a disease, whether it be a financial collapse of our markets, whether it be a relationship that falls apart, We have no thing to fear with God at our side. He surrounds us. He's our shelter. So this morning, let me ask you, church, is He your shelter this morning? Have you already committed to Him that He is the one that I will run to? Father, You are the one that I put my hope in, that I put my trust in. I want to run to you when I feel that the the world is coming in, it's crushing in. I feel like there's fear that wants to take hold. I look at the things that maybe I wish I had, the securities I see other people holding, and I say, I want that thing, but right now I need to recognize I am in the hand of the Father who will not let me go. So this morning, if we can bow our heads and close our eyes, there's a couple questions I want to ask us. First of all is this. Just like these shelters were meant to remind them that they were sojourners, that they were travelers just passing through. We are passing through this life and each of us will only have a certain number of days. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But we will all step into eternity one day and make an accounting for our soul. So this morning, if you're in this room, And you have not yet come to the Father and said, I want to know where I stand with you, God. I want to surrender my life to you so that one day when I see you on the other side of eternity, when I draw my final breath and and my eyes open and I see the reality of eternity before me, I know that I have my Savior and my King and my God that's there and it's a celebration and it's a reunion rather than a moment of fear of where do I stand before you, God? God. And so, right now, in this moment that we live in this temporary shelter, you say, Pastor Brent, I need to put my treasure and my value and everything that I've been living for into eternal things. And right now, I need to surrender that to the King. If that's you in this room this morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you, you say, Pastor Brent, I need to surrender to him. I need to give him my life and my heart from this day forward. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise it high. I want to pray with you. Raise it high. Thank you, yes. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Right now, church, I want us to pray this prayer together. This prayer is a starting point. It's saying, this is a prayer of faith, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for me, that you came for me, that I could have eternal life. And now, I choose to follow you all of the days of my life. From this day forward, I am going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow your teaching. I'm going to follow your ways that I would know you more because this is now a relationship that's been initiated with God. So right now, church, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me despite where I was. I was your enemy. I was living on my own terms, but you came for me, and you died for me. So this morning, I give you my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, and you're alive today, and you offer me life. So from this day forward, I will follow you with every breath I take. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you are in a place where you say, Pastor Brent, I've been experiencing a lot of fear because I have a hard time trusting that God is indeed my shelter. I've been doing things of my own strength, my own power, my own ability. And I've been trying to make it work on my own, but I need the faith to say, God, be my shelter in the storm. Be the rock that I run to the first place I go. Not after every other thing has been exhausted, every other option has been explored, but to say the first place I run is to the Father. And so this morning, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and raise it high. Anyone in this room? Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Right now, here's what we're going to do. We're ending a few minutes early and I want to do this, give this opportunity. If our elders, our current serving elders and pastors we find a place up here I'd like to give you the opportunity if you need prayer if there's something in your life that you need to surrender to God to say Lord I need you to be my shelter in this time I want you to come forward take a few minutes and pray with us the altars are open if you need prayer for anything else so I want to invite you to come Albert's over here on this side I'll step over here to this side but we're going to take a few minutes church to just respond to the Father this morning. Let's come. church this morning. If we'll stand together, we're going to actually do a liturgy. We're going to do a call and response liturgy. So we're going to stand together and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read a phrase to you and you are going to in turn echo back the response, his faithful love endures forever, but you're going to say it with conviction. Amen? This is a psalm that David wrote that would have an echo back. The choir and the community would echo back this response. His faithful love endures forever. Give me one of those. Ready? His faithful love endures forever. All right. I'm going to say the first line and then you respond. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavenly lights. Amen. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Moving down to verse 23. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. Oh, and here's the last one give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Thank you, Father. Your faithful love endures forever. Thank you, Father, that you are our covering, that you are our shelter, you are our shield. We thank you, Father, of lights. We praise you, Lord. We acknowledge this morning these things and we give you praise. And together we say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning as we close. We're going to do our connection cards, and when we do our connection cards, we have a really fun video for you, but if you'll go to nlcchurch.com slash connect, we so value you filling out a connection card. It lets us know you're with us. It lets us know what we can be praying about. Let me tell you, we have been lifting these things up in prayer as a, as a team of elders and as our board. At 6 a.m. on Tuesdays, we, we lift it up. We also send it to our prayer team. We, uh, we filter them to make sure that your privacy is respected and honored, but uh, just... Please let us know what we can be praying about. If there's a response to any of these things going on this week, signing up for gingerbread wars, all those things. If you're new, let us know. We want to be in touch with you. So fill out that connection card right now through through the Sunday links or at com slash connect. Now I'd like to say, enjoy this fun video that our kids' ministry just made. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Make sure you tell Charity that they did a great job. And Chris, thank you for helping put that video together and, uh, and serve on our kids' ministry team. Those kids are a riot. Um, I got I to say that uh, I hope some of those were not necessarily in specific order about video games. Then God, then my brother, or something like that. But uh, I'm sure that uh, it's just so fun seeing where kids' hearts are and what what they're so thankful for. Well, church, let's stand together. I'm going to pray over you as we go. Father, I thank you so much for this community that is here. Lord, remind us of the temporality of this life. Father, remind us that you are our shelter, that you surround us. And God, that we would, as we go through this week, be reminded that you are the provider for us, that no matter what we pass through, what we experience, we know that you go before us, that you provide for us in every way, and we give you thanks, Jesus. Together, all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you, New Life. We will see you on Monday and Wednesday.